Uh, bon Scott's no longer with us. It'd be really, really difficult to try to make that happen. But it's such a great song. It's a good way to start us off here today. And let there be sports talk on a Thursday afternoon. Welcome back. He's Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplow. It's coming your way here. 600 ESPN El Paso. We've got not one, not two, but two and a half hours with you today. Take you up till 630. Then it's Chihuahua's baseball here from Southwest University Park. Yesterday was UTEP night at the ballpark. UTEP night, you heard it uh, as we were wrapping things up. John Teicher was getting everybody excited. Uh, unfortunately, the Chihuahuas' bats couldn't get excited. They lost 3-1 to one yesterday. Good pitching performance by Jay Groom and the, relieving, uh, the relievers, but it's not enough offense. They'll keep that going, though. Game 3 tonight out at uh, Southwest University Park. So that's how we get started. Looking forward to that. And, uh, boy, it's going to be a busy night tonight. we got New Mexico State in action. Aggies are playing uh, football against Minnesota on the road. How about that, Adrian? Uh, They're following up five days after their Nevada game uh, going on the road. And this will be really interesting tonight. Jerry Kill against his old team. I'm definitely tuning into this one. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, they are heavy, heavy underdogs. Just to put it into perspective, UTEP is 31-point underdogs against the Sooners. Going into this one tonight against the Golden Gophers, New Mexico State is a 36-point dog. And I, I want to see what Jerry Kill's squad can do. I liked their uh, second quarterback that they threw in the mix last week in uh, Gavin Frakes. I- I'm curious to see if he uh, gets a nod tonight or gets uh, at least the starting snaps or what will see from Diego Pavia or whatever um, you know at the quarterback position uh, but the, yeah they kick off tonight Steve I'm looking forward to this one along with all the other ones Penn State Purdue we've got the uh, the exciting West Virginia Pitt game there's there's a lot of great college football action coming up tonight yeah it's a busy night uh, you're right a lot of good games a lot of good games in uh, the world of college football so yep that's a good storyline uh, baseball we got Jay Jaffe today We'll also have uh, Jeff Erickson today. We'll have Lee Sterling today. So uh, a lot of those guests uh, you would normally hear on Wednesday. We, uh, we, uh, Jay was at City Field yesterday and asked if we could we'd move the segment over. We've also accommodated Jeff Erickson, moving him to Thursdays now because of Bernie Olivas and our Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Watch, which now airs on Wednesdays. So we've moved around a little bit. We're shaking and baking around here on Sports Talk, which I love as uh, kind of make uh, make things a little more fun, a little more exciting. And by the way, we're two days away from UTEP in Oklahoma out there in Norman. Um, and that's also another big storyline. Have you ever been to uh, Oklahoma Memorial Stadium? No, I would love to go. My cousin works for the Oklahoma Athletic Department, so nice. um, I definitely want to make the trip out. Every time UTEP is on their schedule, she has, she's always asking, are you making the trip finally this time around? And uh, unfortunately, this time around, I'm not. Well, all I know is this. They apparently had a $160 million stadium renovation and modernization project. What they did was they bowled in the south end of the facility. That was the first thing. And then they added premium seating and a 62 feet by 38 feet video board. Wow, that's huge right there. Great uh, renovations and a new era for OU Athletics that's really debuting this weekend uh, with new head coach Brent Venables at the helm. They tripled their weight room in size to 26,600 square feet. How about that? Yeah, I saw their actually I saw their weight room and I saw the players reaction like they did kind of like a reaction mm. video to that. Uh those players look fired up. Everything is Jordan, Steve. It's Jordan all around. 
Is it really? Yeah, they they got that they Jordan, the, the, yeah, Jordan yeah, that look. licensing and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah, that, that that is pretty cool. I do love the Jordan. Uh, you know, when you get the when you've got the Jumpman logo, that uh, there there aren't too many schools in college sports that have the Jumpman logo. That's right. I think it's only a select few. I can think of the Gators of Florida. I can think of, uh, of course, Oklahoma. And I, I want to say, well, of course, the Tar Heels. But, yeah, it's it's not that many. I want to say maybe Michigan, but I'm not completely uh, certain on that one. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. So uh, our phone lines are open for business today, 505-6009. That's 505-6009. Get you right on in and through to the program here on Sports Talk today. And uh, looking forward to hearing from you. There'll be a lot of topics to get to. I wrote about Oklahoma today because I'm, I'm fascinated by Brent Venables uh, since he spent a lot of years in Norman. He was the linebackers coach from 99 to 2011, co-defensive coordinator from 99 to 2003, associate head coach and defensive coordinator from 04 to 2011. So it's his first time back in, uh, what, 11 years. But Brent Venables... Uh, is someone that knows Norman, gets to uh, host UTEP, 130 in El Paso. Our coverage on our partner station, KLQ will kick off at 1230 on the Countdown to Kickoff show. And don't forget, we'll also have for you um, First and Ten uh, coming up, brought to you uh, by our friends at Specs. And uh, that'll be happening uh, on this radio station, I guess we're doing that. At, are we doing that at twelve fifteen on Saturday? Is that what it's going to be? I guess so, Steve. I, I guess that's the case. But first and ten, always a great time to do. Uh, we did this, I think, two seasons ago for the first time. Now we're bringing it back. So first and ten, and thanks so much to Specs. They're they're bringing us this uh, this action coming up on Saturday. There's probably going to be a lot of UTEP watch parties, and I'm going to tell you something right now, folks. From tantalizing tailgating treats to those UTEP watch party must-haves. Specs experts are here to help you get exactly what you need with professional suggestions on world-class wines, rare spirits, and new craft beers. And there's one right by UTEP. That's right, 2525 North Mesa Street. There's Specs all over El Paso, but there is one right by the university, 2525 North Mesa Street. And if you're looking to freshen up your happy hour skills, you can go online, specsonline.com. They got recipes handpicked. By the Specs Mixology experts themselves. That is Specs Wine Spirits and Finer Foods. Uh, they sponsor UTEP First and Ten. Looking forward to that. Hey, we got calls to get to as we start it off. Let's get going. I'll see if we can duck in two of these calls in the next five minutes, uh, beginning with Gator Richard, who joins us. Go Gators. Thanks for the call. Hey, Steve. You know, uh, MVP for the AL. You Look, want to talk about that? For yeah, I know you're going to go Shohei Otani. I get it. Listen, if if Shohei beats Aaron Judge, I'm not going to argue or care. Um, but I brought up an interesting point. Okay, if Shohei pitched exclusively or hit exclusively, how much better would those numbers look than what he has right now? Because he's an amazing pitcher. And he's an amazing hitter. But when you do both over the course of a full season, it takes its toll on you. So, you know, if, if you had if you were picking one for Shohei, more dominant as a hitter or more dominant as a pitcher? I'll say uh pitching. I'd agree. I'd agree. And he's a hell of a hitter. Let's not let's not lie. He's an amazing hitter. 
So this, this, this you thing know, of him playing uh, pitcher and designated hitter yep. did not come by accident. You know that, right? No, he did that. In, first off, he did that in Japan. Well, here's the thing. Right out of high school, you know, he was recruited by the Boston Red Sox. Right. Uh, I, I think uh, Houston had their name in the hat. Dodgers. There's a handful, and and he was leaning. He was leaning towards the Dodgers. They were the front runner. And then somebody talked some sense into him and said, look, if you're going to the Dodgers, you're just going to be pitching. That's it. You can't be hitting. You won't be able to do both. So he signed on with the uh, the Japanese League mm-hmm. for, I think it was four or five years, five years. And then they marketed him back to the uh, Major League Baseball as a, as a dual threat guy, right? And and he had his pick of the teams. You know, okay, who's going to put me in to do both? See what I mean? Because no, I get you. I get you. And- you know that that did that was by design. And you know, uh, I was listening to uh, you know the ESPN Greeny or whatever his name is on uh, you know in the morning. Mike Greenberg. That's right. Yeah, you know, he, he keeps up. Well, I don't know. I don't know why. You know, Judge is the guy, but Judge is chasing a record. Is that correct? Well, he's I mean, I don't know if he's, chase, he's chasing, trying to get, uh, you know, 70 home runs. I don't think he's going to get there, but he's at 51 okay. right now, so he should probably break, uh, you know, the old record, which was the Ruth record, before, um, before you know, Sosa, McGuire, and Bonds turned the home run single-season record into a joke. That used to be the magic total, the Maris exactly. record, you know? Well, he's, he's chasing Roger Maris's record. Sure. That's what I was getting at. Okay, right. what was the 61, 62? Something yeah, fun yeah. with that. Right? 61, but, but yeah. Showtime, hey, that guy, it, his bar is set by himself. You know what I mean? He's already done it. He's already beat everybody in what he does. 30 mm-hmm. home runs. He, he's he's pitched more uh, strikeouts, innings, won more games than Ruth did behind the plate. Or I'm, I'm sorry, on the mound and behind the plate. He's already surpassed Ruth. Okay, so it, his bar is is what he sets it to be. I'm with you. So, I'm with you on that one. So and I mean, you know, hands down, he's got he's got MVP all over this well, season. I mean, see, here's the thing. I don't say it's hands down, but what I'm saying is, if yeah. they give it, if they give it to Otani, I'm not going to argue that. I don't think that's a mistake over the uh, career year Aaron Judge is having right now with the Yankees. Because you're right. But you know what the crazy thing is? This could be the norm for Shohei. We might see this kind of a season exactly. every single year. Exactly. And what we're what we're watching right now, we haven't seen in over a hundred years in baseball. And we might not ever see it again. That's another point to bring up. I got to get to another call, Richard. But I appreciate you getting in today on that. Let me duck in Memphis, Drew, before we go to Jay Jaffe next. Hey, Drew, how are you? I'm doing good, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, I'll be Drew. brief here. Uh, Yankees and the Dodgers, best teams, money can buy. Yankees, Tampa Bay is closing on the Yankees. Uh, we'll see if they can hang on. Tampa Bay, I like them, man. They, they don't have a big budget, but they're all they are competitive. Every year, now, every year, it's sure. unbelievable. And the Dodgers, uh, their pitchers, they have uh, some struggling right now with their pitching staff, right? Injuries or something. Yeah, so 
And uh, I know you're disappointed Donovan Mitchell went to Cleveland. I, I think that makes Cleveland uh, maybe, uh, it, uh, maybe a top four team in the East. Yep, and uh, you could say that Knicks. I think they'll be right where they'll be on the borderline uh, playoff positioning. Yep, I mean okay. that, and, that's and look, all I got. What do you What do you got? Nah, I, I first off, I appreciate the call, Drew. I think the Knicks fans are going to be ruining the uh, day the uh, that they missed out on Donovan Mitchell because ownership uh, wouldn't give the they didn't want to sign off on the three unprotected picks along with R.J. Barrett, which is what Utah wanted. You know, we heard it was five, but it turned out to be three. The Knicks were going to give two. Utah wanted three. The Knicks said no, figuring that they were bidding against themselves. And then here comes Cleveland swooping in and getting him, Adrian. Two days after, really two days after the Knicks uh, gave Barrett the deal. I look at it a little differently. I just kind of look at it like Utah probably asked way too much of the Knicks. And their asks and requests started to become, uh, you know, way way too much for a team like uh, New York, which they want to keep R.J. Barrett. I agree with that part but if RJ and two firsts were really offered to Utah I would be shocked that the Jazz did not want to take that one and took the deal today instead I mean Colin Sexton uh, Laurie Markinen, Ochai Abaji those players are fine okay but when when it comes to those three uh, picks that they're getting from Cleveland I don't know about those I mean now that now the way it looks like with Cleveland they have a nice young nucleus they have a nice thing that they could build over there in Cleveland and two unprotected picks and RJ Barrett is a really nice deal. I agree. Um, you know, so especially since uh, didn't um, was it Sexton that just signed the extension after the trade? Yes. Yeah, so both of them did actually. So Sexton signed an extension. Same with Donovan Mitchell mm-hmm. uh, and uh, R.J. Barrett recently yep. signed one on Monday. So with R.J. Barrett, he's there. He's kind of that young star that you're looking for. And now for the Knicks, they're they're waiting for the next uh, disgruntled star. Maybe it's Joel and B and B down the line. Who knows? Be real interesting. All right, seventeen passed as we continue here on Sports Talk. Let's go to Charlie. Then we'll come back with Jay Jaffe talk some baseball and some beer we continue here with sports talk and 600 espn el paso talk plenty more to get to including uh jay jaffe will join us here in a little bit uh fresh off that trip to city field yesterday to watch the mets who by the way are right now leading the dodgers three two in the bottom of the sixth how about that Huge uh, comeback here for the Mets, Steve. They were down earlier. They was they like were. 3-2 and uh, a nice little rally here at the bottom of the sixth. That's true. That is true. They uh, were able to get to Kershaw, which I didn't think was even possible because Kershaw started this game and actually pitched five good innings. And then uh, the Mets uh, got their runs off of the uh, Dodger relievers. All right, so five innings of one hit, uh, one run ball for Kershaw. But then the bullpen, Chris Martin. The Dodgers got the best of him. I mean, the Mets got the best of him, and that's it. So, interesting how that's uh, going on right now with the Mets trying to um, win two out of three, which would be terrific if they can pull that off. If they can pull that off. Let's be honest. Yeah, yesterday's game was pretty tough. Uh, I know that you know it was the Degrom day. It was the Edwin Diaz day. It was the day that the the guy who plays his closing song uh, also came out and did it live. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, they couldn't get it done yesterday. Let's see if they can take two out of the three. And I, I got my eyes on this series, Steve. This is a huge one because this could be definitely a look into what we see in October between these two teams. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. 
I mean, this could be NLCS here is what we're talking about. That's very possible. Very, very possible. So I just listened to uh, uh, a rant from uh, Adam Shine, national sports radio host on Sirius XM. He does work with CBS TV as well, CBS Sports Network. And he just, and he loves the Knicks because he's a New Yorker. He ripped them a new one for not pulling this trade off with Donovan Mitchell. Now, the thing is this. I, I There's so many versions of this. We don't really know for sure how this worked. Was Utah ever willing to trade Donovan Mitchell without R.J. Barrett? That's tough. Be, I, that's tough to decipher. That's what I should say. Because early reports said that the trade trade package involved a lot of expiring deals, like in Evan Fournier, Derek Rose. You know, just contracts that would make sense in order to just uh, acquire Donovan Mitchell in this swap. Now, uh, the other side of this had said no. Utah did not want these expiring deals. They at least wanted one young piece coming back to them, and it's not going to be Jalen Brunson who they just signed. It would right. be RJ. Barrett in that case if it, if you're New York but I thought Emmanuel quickly could get it done I thought those guys Quentin could, Grimes Quentin Obi Grimes. Toppin yeah I thought those guys that batch could get it done but Me I too. guess it wasn't I guess Ugh. it wasn't the case unbelievable so and I really thought that Evan Fournier was going to be the salary piece to help offset the contract of Donovan Mitchell which also didn't happen so yeah I, I it's so interesting when you lose out on a guy that wanted to play for you, and you lose out to an Eastern rival. I mean, the Cleveland Cavaliers are in the same conference, and they're now probably a top-four seed. And the Knicks are going to be lucky to back into the playoffs, even though they just gave all that money to R.J. Barrett. So, yeah. What are you going to do with all those What are you going to do with all those first-round picks? Um, and what's plan B going to be like if you're the Knicks? That's a disaster. So we'll wait and see how. I mean, seriously, disaster piece theater always seems to play out uh, at MSG when it comes to the Knicks. You know, I, I, it's tough in the off season when they're trying to sign a marquee free agent. That's it's just not enticing to some of these guys. So for somebody like uh, the New York Knicks, or for a team like the New York Knicks, it's up to them to try to acquire the next disgruntled superstar in this That's league. Right. That is right. But the next disgruntled superstar might not want to play in New York like Donovan Very Mitchell true. did. Very, very true, unfortunately. Interesting. With that, let's uh, welcome back Jay Jaffe for our weekly baseball chat uh, from Fangraphs.com. You can follow Jay on Twitter at uh, Jay underscore Jaffe. He was out there at City Field yesterday. Did you get a chance to stick around and watch the uh, Edwin Diaz live introduction? Oh, yeah. I was, I was there. I was there for the whole game. I mean, it wasn't a long game. I think it finished in two hours and 19 minutes. I could think of only one other game that I've covered uh, that was shorter, and that was the afternoon game that Noah Syndergaard pitched a shutout and hit a solo home run for the game's only run, which is uh, the last time that will happen unless uh, the rules change again. Hey, uh, meanwhile, uh, Timmy Trumpet uh, decided to uh, give the uh, ultimate live performance for Diaz, and all I saw was about uh, 30,000 cell phones uh, taking video while they were all at the game last night. Yeah, I guess it was the thing. I don't really understand the phenomenon, but uh, um, you know the, the fans loved it, and that was that was cool. Uh, uh, Diaz has obviously had a great season, and uh, um, you know the kind of thing that whips the crowd up into a frenzy for you know a playoff-like atmosphere. Yep. I can understand it. It was it was well timed. Meanwhile, the Mets have come back uh, in the sixth inning for uh, two runs off of uh, Chris Martin. 
and now lead the Dodgers 3-2. to two. Bassett has already thrown 103 pitches through six, so it'll probably be up to uh, the Mets' bullpen and perhaps Diaz to try to shut the door. And if they can hold on, take two out of three from the Dodgers, that would be big, Jay, because these two teams could very well be playing uh, in October. Yeah, I mean, I think from a psychological standpoint, it's certainly going to give the Mets uh, a bit of a lift. Uh, my colleague Dan Zimborski just did a thing this week on whether head-to-head records have any predictive value when it comes to playoff matchups. And the answer, of course, is no. Um, you know, it's, it's but a uh, uh, big deal for the Mets to get Jacob Degrom out there against the Dodgers. He pitched brilliantly last night. Needed a needed a defensive save there from Brandon Nimmo, um, but uh, the. Uh, the number one seed. I think the Dodgers are pretty much locked into that right now. Yep. Um, they'll have home field if uh, um, if the two teams should cross paths in the postseason. Oh, there's no doubt. Listen, the Dodgers are still the best team in baseball. It's not even close with what they've been able to do. And I think the bigger news for Dodger fans today is Clayton Kershaw coming off the IL and tossing five innings of uh, one hit, one run ball. Yeah, he looked shaky there in the first inning. Walked in, uh, walked in, walked three batters. Walked in a run for the first time in I don't know how many years. Um, but he settled down very well and got that slider going and uh, uh, kept the Mets hitters off balance for the remainder of, of his uh, outing there. And that's good news. The Dodgers needed some good news in the rotation department. You know, they've lost Walker Buehler for the season. Uh, they just put Tony Gonsolin on the injured list for what was initially assumed to be. Uh, just something to slow him down uh, in terms of his innings count because he's uh, not uh, you know, did not throw a ton last year, uh, but he actually has a forearm strain and is going for an MRI tomorrow, and that's uh, um, that's a little bit scary for the Dodgers because um, you know they just don't have the pitch the rotation depth befitting a team in their position, and they're going to have to figure some stuff out. That's true. Uh, about how they how they line up in October. I'm interested to see if Ryan Pepio gets an opportunity to have an uh, maybe a longer leash uh, into the rotation this time around with all the injuries. I know Brusder Gratterall's also now on the IL with uh, elbow inflammation. He has been battling injuries here for the last couple of months. So yeah, the Dodgers uh, pitching they, they've really you know I guess it's good that you're deep. And Jay, the old adage you can never have enough pitching is true here. Yeah, I mean they've got you know they've got guys coming back too here. They've got Blake Trinan who's supposed to be activated later this week. Um, they do still hope to get Gratterall back. Uh, I believe um, uh, there's even a shot they'll get Danny, Danny Duffy to finally pitch for them. Um, he's on a rehab assignment in Oklahoma City right now. So um, you know this uh, uh, they've they, they've they've got a stockpile. It's a question of finding the you know enough healthy arms uh, who are throwing well to to, to uh, uh, take with them into the playoffs, and you know some of that uh, matchups are going to determine some of those rosters. And we'll see what happens. More with Jay as we hit the bottom of the hour. Plus, we get his beer pick of the week. But first, uh, let's go to Adrian in this Sports Center update. Really, what the uh, you know, what it hasn't done for the Padres, then also uh, the Brewers' uh, reaction in Milwaukee uh, with the relieving core after the trade. Uh, I saw yesterday he got his thirtieth save, and now. The Padres pitching coach has been clamoring to get him back because he believes that he is just about right, although uh, he has been so awful since he uh, arrived in San Diego. It's been hard for the Padres to rely or even throw him right now. Yeah, Hayter's problem has really started in his final month with the Brewers. Um, basically, he's got some mechanical issues where 
Uh, he's been throwing his pitches uh, from too high a vertical release point, um, and they get different, a different break on them and a different spin and less deception to the batter, a little bit more conventional movement pattern. And, and uh, uh, hitters have been on that. They've been, they've been crushing it to the point where uh, Bob Melvin, uh, the Padres manager, has had to go get him uh, a few times here before he could complete an inning. There was a game uh, uh, last week where uh, he, was, he gave up six runs, um, retired just one of the eight hitters he faced against the Royals. And Will Myers, backup outfielder, had to, had to uh, relieve him because the game just got out of hand, which, uh, which, which is pretty embarrassing. But, you know, his mechanics have come and gone before. Um, like you said, he did get a save last night. Uh, he's got uh, 30 saves on the year, but a 635 earned run average. Um, his peripherals suggest uh, it should be lower than that. But, um, you know, I suspect he'll get his mechanics together and he'll get back in working order. Um, but uh, this has been a, an ugly stretch for the for the Padres uh, losing those games, although the rest of their bullpen has generally picked him up. Um, the Brewers, on the other hand, their bullpen has kind of fallen apart, was in the process of falling apart uh, even before he left. Uh, and they've really struggled not only with the bullpen, but also their rotation outside of their big one-two punch of uh, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. And their offense has gone kind of south as well. So uh, they're the team that slipped out of the playoff picture, not the Padres, uh, who are clinging to that third wild card spot. No, you're right. And I guess it helps play the Giants and other teams that try to uh, get their wins going again and get the Padres' bats going. But it's funny because when all the trades were made at the deadline, we thought that the Soto deal was going to be the big one. They also got Josh Bell. And you kind of wonder if maybe Brandon Drury turns out to be the, the steal of the deadline for the Padres. Yeah, Drury has 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 been uh, has you know has been a nice solid addition for them. Um, he can play multiple positions, although I know he's been DHing a bit too. Uh, but that guy's got some pop in his bat, um, you know, and uh, is in the midst of a career year, and uh, um, you know he can fill some holes for them. Let's talk about uh, what you've got coming up on the website. What do you have for FanGraphs uh, tomorrow and into the weekend? Uh, I've got. I'm looking tomorrow at the at the Dodgers uh, surge and and uh, you know kind of revisiting 2017 a little bit and that when they when they went on that I believe it was a one and sixteen stretch after reaching 91 wins. Um, Dave Roberts had some interesting comments yesterday uh, before the game and I'm just kind of linking that up with uh, um, you know where they stand, how they've how they've played lately. They've gone. They, they entered today having won. 45 out of 56 games, which is just absolutely remarkable. That's an 800, 804 winning percentage, just dominant. Uh, so uh, just trying to put what they're doing in perspective and, and uh, also thinking a little bit uh, about uh, October and, and what it all means. Excellent. Today. That's all up at Fangraphs.com. Let's wash it down with your beer pick of the week, Jay. Okay. I just got another case uh, of beer from, from uh, my pals at Three's Brewing. Um, this one is a nice mix of uh, uh, lagers and ales, and uh, today I've got uh, Eclept, which is spelled Y-C-L-E-P-T, uh, it means in the name of. Um, it is a hoppy pilsner. Uh, I quite like this style. It's uh, uh, Noble Hops, the, the German Hallertau Mittelfra, uh and uh, German Grains as well, and it clocks in at uh, 5.2% ABV, a really nice drinkable beer.
I like that. I like how in your old age you're mellowing out into nice, good lagers with relatively, you know, decent low uh, ABVs. This is what happens when you get older. You get married. You have a kid. I'm telling you, Jay, if I was to take your beer reviews from 10, 15 years ago and then look at now, you'd probably be thinking to yourself, who is this guy drinking all these lagers? No, you know, it's fun. it's funny, actually. I It's, you know... If you'll remember way back to 20 years ago or so, Brooklyn Lager was was everything, and you know that's a hoppy lager that uh, yep. uh, really I think was a game changer in that regard. Before the big craft boom uh, and all the microbreweries and 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 the you know the mania that that's that that's uh, uh, produced, I think it's kind of just you know one of those things where the pendulum swings back and forth. I think also you know brewers are devoting more uh, time and space and effort. To um, uh, to doing craft loggers and, and, and pilsners, and there's you know there's a precision that's required there. Um, whereas you know the the hops uh, uh, for the ha- for the hazy IPAs and things like that, you can get pretty experimental and you can get in something of an arms race. Um, you know, making a, a great logger uh, or a pilsner takes takes uh, a lot more discipline and precision, and uh, it's interesting to learn about this stuff. I agree, and uh, I don't expect you to be reviewing any seltzers on the on the radio anytime oh. soon. No, that's not for me. I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> I avoided wine coolers back in the day. I avoided Zima <laughs> back in the day. I'm not about to not about to turn to, to, to hard seltzer. I like my seltzer. Uh, not alcoholic, thank you. There you go. We'll talk to you next week, Jay. Thanks for the time, as always. All right, sure thing, Steve. Take care. Jay Jaffe, folks, as we continue here on Sports Talk, follow him on Twitter at J underscore Jaffe. Come back, wrap up hour one, look ahead, huge second hour as well. Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Sports Talk, we begin hour two of uh, three on the show. He's Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Russ. And this man is Lee Sterling. He joins us every week from our friends at ParamountSports.com to offer up his selections and uh, talk a little college football. So we had a little taste last week, which happened to include UTEP, uh, and now we get uh, the full uh, the full dose here for college football fans this week. Yeah, um, it was a nice taste. Um, not so much uh, for the bottom feeders in the Mountain West. I mean. You talk about problems. Wyoming uh, <laughs> threw for like 30 yards in the game. Hawaii, um, their defense, they couldn't stop anyone. Uh, they lined up wrong multiple times. There was one time a guy went in motion. I don't know if you saw this. Three Hawaii defenders ran with him. So um, two teams got some. If you think your team has problems, you're not Hawaii or Wyoming. That's true. Uh, that is very true. Um, meanwhile, as we – Get ready for this week's selections. Uh, I'm just curious because you don't have this game on your list, but uh, we've got New Mexico State getting ready to play um, against Minnesota. And what is interesting about this one, Lee, is it's Jerry Kill going back to one of the spots that he did very well at. And I don't really think even though he's 35-point dogs, Jerry Kill wants to show up tonight and uh, play in a couple of hours and get embarrassed uh, with his new team. Oh, I think the line's too generous. I mean, I think Minnesota's good, but um, outside of their starting quarterback and and running back, not a lot of experience at receiver. They're breaking in a lot of young guys here, and um, 
New Mexico State, I mean, you talk about a team. I mean, they they should have been up big in the first half of their game and um, five turnovers. I mean, how many times do you see a team turn the ball over five times, five-zero turnover, disadvantage, and only lose by one point against the spread? Just shows you they probably were the right side. Yep. So I'll take the points here. I'm with you on that one. All right. Yep. Uh, you ready to have some fun and uh, kick yep. things off here? All right, good. You've always picked good games for us. I'm excited about this. So, Adrian, we get to enjoy Lee uh, from Paramount Sports. And how about we start with one of his uh, featured games, Utah and Florida. Despite the Utes uh, going on the road to Gainesville, they are still uh, two-and-a-half-point favorites here uh, over the Gators. Yeah, and, and what we're going to see with this Florida team, it's going to take them a little while to reload. They have a quarterback in Anthony Richardson. I mean, this guy, he's a gazelle, 6'5". He can run like the wind. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He could go in the draft, be a first-round draft pick. But outside of him and a couple defensive backs, coverage bear. Now, they're recruiting really well. I think Billy Napier and his – I don't know if you heard – did you see the picture of their coaching staff, their team photo? No, I haven't seen that one yet. What's going on? They've got like as many coaches as they do players. (laughs) I've never seen anything like this. (laughs) Um, They're visiting high school, different high school, it seems like every other day. (laughs) Um, They should just just put the coaches there and let them start coaching. Um, But the problem here is they just don't have the talent. Cam Rising for Utah – really came on after Brewer didn't work out, had 20 touchdowns, also 499 yards running. Um, Tavian Thomas, you talk about a kid under the radar, hit 21 touchdowns, 21 touchdowns from a running back last year, not even listed in the Heisman odds that I saw. So uh, practicing also at elevation, you know, almost a, a mile high, which will help them. And it's it's been in the high 80s, low 90s, almost the entire month of August here. So that that playing in the swamp and the, and the heat there couldn't could be negated unless Anthony Richardson probably throws for 300 yards uh, and runs for close to 100. I don't see it. I like the running youth here, 31-23. Let's get to game two, Ohio yeah. State and Notre Dame. Um, considering Ohio State is at home, but these are two top five teams, at least in the preseason polls, um, I, I didn't realize we would see a 17-point spread. Is Notre Dame really two-and-a-half touchdowns worse uh, than Ohio State right now? Well, a lot of positive things for Marcus Freeman. I think he's the right fit for them, and I think he's going to do a jo- good job recruiting. He's going to be bringing in a really good recruiting class next year, but they're not there yet. Um They've had trouble matching up against the elite teams. I mean, look at the last decade. Now they got to face a team. Ohio State might have the best quarterback in the country, C.J. Stroud, might have the best receiver, might have two of the top 15 running backs. And then Jim Knowles, their new defensive coordinator, comes over from Oklahoma State. Here's a guy, what was his last game? Against Notre Dame. Gets to face the same team again. So I think that's a great angle here. I just don't think they can stop the Ohio State offense. They just don't match up. They don't have the athletes yet here. I think this is a woodshed game here, Ohio State 48-20. Lee, when it comes to trying to pick in non-conference matchups, how do you actually go about ranking, I mean, different leagues like the SEC, the Big Ten? Do you play any kind of minded to those kinds of things when you're picking these games? Well, what I do is I look at my power ratings and and by watching the spring games, watching 113 spring games, I think I watched and 
and watching at least three games from the previous year and, and grading players, uh, I think you get a really good feel uh, for what a team's about. Like, like New Mexico State, do you expect them? Well, they, they're known for late hits and turning the ball over, but you don't expect a 5-0 turnover advantage. Yeah. You're able to gauge how many yards most teams can probably gain in a game, and 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 as long as you don't see crazy stuff, you're usually going to be on the right side more than more than a lot. But um, yeah, I, I just think Ohio State is just right now them and Alabama different level than everyone else. Now the playing field might get leveled out in the next couple of years with USC with NIL money, uh, the new coaching staff, Miami, Georgia is going to always be up there, a couple other teams. So I think. In the next couple of years, we might see seven or eight teams at the top. But right now, it's it's a two-horse race. Lee Sterling with us at ParamountSports.com as we continue here on uh, Sports Talk for our weekly segment. Georgia, 17.5-point yep. favorites at home against Oregon. Another very, very large spread. If there's one thing, one thing we're going to note for all these games, except for the Utah-Florida game, all of them are two to three touchdown uh, spreads between uh, you know the, the two teams. So two storylines here, I think. Two biggest ones are Dan Lanning returns. You know, he coached there for three years as defensive coordinator. He knows their personnel inside and out. And I just think that familiarity here can't be ignored. I think it's worth four, five, six points. So um, are you telling me the line would be 22, 23? Um, I don't know. Also, Georgia, the losses on defense. Eight out of 11 starters on what might be the best defense we've seen in college football the last 10 or 12 years. So those two things makes me, and I watched the spring game. I think Georgia is going to have a really good offense. They're going to have to outscore people this year. And I don't think their defense, I don't think they can reload in one year. Maybe Alabama can, but not Georgia. And Oregon has eight starters returning on offense, all five offensive linemen. And these five offensive linemen went into Ohio State and won. So I think it's a great situation here uh, for for Oregon. Bo Nix, who played for 15 years at Auburn, um, should be able to do a nice job. And here's a guy I look for also, Chase Cota, wide receiver, number 23, comes over from Oregon. He could play a significant part in this game. I say grab all the points you can. I like Georgia, 31-21. Continuing right now with another uh, team from Conference USA, Louisiana Tech. They get to play Missouri this week. Uh, Mizzou right now has one of the best receivers in the uh, country out of uh, high school in Luther Burden. I'm sure you follow him. Meanwhile, they're 19.5-point favorites uh, against the Bulldogs. Luther Burden reminds me of Debo Samuel. Big, strong, fast. I mean, he's like a man amongst boys. Don't be surprised. I know he wanted to stay home. He's from East St. Louis. But don't be surprised if he transfers to like an Alabama or an Ohio State next year. You heard it here first. Um, now, they're playing Louisiana Tech. And Louisiana Tech, I just think their defense is really bad. Um, they gave up 34 more points in nine games last year. Um, just think that Missouri is going to be a team that can – Score against average to poor teams against the top teams, they're going to have trouble scoring two touchdowns. So with Burden, uh, also like Dominic Lovett, number seven, and then look for Mookie Cooper, number five, Ohio State transfer. Um, they're going to throw these short passes, and those three guys are going to have, I think, a lot of success here. Sometimes you got to lay it if you want to play it. Starts in 45 minutes, 
Missouri big, 45-21 over La Tech. Final game of our five, Oklahoma and the Miners. All right, you saved uh, the best for last. (laughs) Now, I've seen this line anywhere from 30 to where we're going to play. We'll play it at 31 and a half, where it's also been uh, Sooners debuting with Brent Venables. They've got Dylan Gabriel, the former Central Florida quarterback, as their new quarterback. But here's what's interesting to me about this game, Lee, and I'm sure you're going to talk about this. Oklahoma, about 68% of their offense and 60% of their defense are gone from last year. So we're talking about uh, really a a new-look Sooners team going up against the Miners here on Saturday. Yeah, their new offensive coordinator, Jeff Levy, um, they're going to run a little more cutting-edge stuff here. You'll see some different stuff, but they get off a lot of plays quickly, which if you get a couple more possessions in a game, gives you a chance to cover a big spread here. He coached Dylan Gabriel when Dylan Gabriel was a freshman, where he did his best work. So I think those two guys teaming up are going to be tough to stop here. I I think the Oklahoma defense is not good at all. But I just don't know if UTEP can score enough here. Now, you got a couple guys that that showed well uh, at receiver. Uh, Smith and also uh, Flores, I think, are going to be weapons as we move forward here. But – Gavin Harris, he's going to have to have Harden's going to have to have a big game here. They want to have a chance here, and OU, um, I think they want to make a statement. So, I like OU here, fifty-six fourteen. When it comes to coaching, make uh, coaches making their first game debut. Uh, is there anything to how they perform in their first game against the spread? Well, if it was a big game, it might be something you might want to go against. But um, you know. Uh, I watched the spring game. Um, it looked like Gabriel and Levy, the, the offensive coordinator, were on the same page. So getting the signals in, I don't think is going to be a real problem here. Um, you know, maybe down the road in the next couple of weeks, maybe. But um, uh, I don't think, you know, he's not going to have to make a big decision probably in this game here. So uh, it could, could say close for a half. And then just they just the depth that they have, they're just so deep at running back and receiver. Um, just probably too much for the Miners. Let's talk about your game of the week and what you've got up right now at ParamountSports.com, especially coming off of last yeah. week, a good week last week, and now you're really going to roll in with the uh, full slate of college games and NFL starting up uh, a week from tomorrow. Yeah, how about this game? I mean, Oregon State against Boise State. Oregon State's favored by three, and they're giving them three only because they're at home. This should be – they think it's it's almost a pick em game, so – you want to get this winner. I have a real strong opinion on this game. Just call this number, 800-400-9741. Get my strongest play of the week. Uh, Oregon State and Boise State, 800-400-9741. Like I said, we're off to a 14-4 and start uh, to the season. Started with the first preseason game, the Hall of Fame game, and it's worked its way through week zero. So we're seeing things really really on on a high level and you want to come on board just check out all the specials just go to the website under purchase picks on the homepage, paramountsports.com good job as always lee appreciate it we'll look forward to having you back next week thanks guys take care lee sterling folks as we continue here quarter past as uh, sports talk rolls along um when we come back we got a lot more in store for you we'll do some fantasy next with uh, jeff erickson so stay with us charlie one back he's got a traffic update hour every Thursday is going to be awesome because we're going to go from Lee Sterling to Jeff Erickson uh, from rotowire.com. And I am excited about that transition because 
as you might imagine, fantasy uh, drafts uh, are wrapping up. Some We had our draft last night at the radio station. By the way, our draft, we got out of that thing impressively enough in uh, two and a half hours. This will be the fastest draft we've ever had. It was awesome. That's a very, very um, respectable right there, Steve. Hey, for 17 rounds and 12 teams, uh, some online, some in person, that was good. That is a quick draft right there. I'm, I'm very impressed by you all. Thank you. I'm curious. I wonder what Jeff, uh, you know, how fast he drafts. Um, you tell me, Jeff. Good to have you back. Uh, two and a half hours for a 17-round, 12-team PPR draft. Is is that about right for you? Do you usually go faster, slower, uh, half online, half uh, you know, in person? The half online, half on person part of that draft is the thing that makes it pretty tricky. Um, you know, I typically, you know, if I do a, you know, I did a draft that was 100% online Superflex League. We did it in 67 minutes, but that's also people that do this for a living. So obviously right. it's a little bit of a different animal there. And the fact that it was all online, the fact that you had half, half and half makes that a lot more complicated. Our draft was pacing really, really well. Like we were eight out of 17 rounds done in an hour. And I was thinking to myself, we're going to set a new record. But in the middle rounds, because I didn't put a time limit on it, teams started taking uh, more time. And it was almost like right. they, they were, they, it wasn't as easy for them when they got through their first, uh, you know, eight or nine picks and they had to try to go in the middle rounds. Yeah, well, and you brought up a good caveat. Uh, our, our, that one sixty-seven minute draft was also at a minute timer, uh, also. So, yeah, I think that that's it's really important to do that in, in an experienced room. Now, you had some definite difficulties there, including, you know, the the half and half in, half out, so you don't get a feel for the room. Yep. Sometimes you you don't find out right away who's been taken. So. In those cases, I'd probably recommend two minutes. I'm with you on that one. Plus, as I'm the commissioner, but I don't own a team, I just run the league. And, you know, through CBS Sportsline. By the way, listen to this. Through CBS Sportsline, you are not able to be an independent commissioner. You have to be a co-owner in their leagues in order to do it, which I think is the most ridiculous thing ever. But they won't allow you to, like, have commissioner privileges unless you're a team owner. You know, I, I think I've seen that frequently because um, I think 95% of the time that, that is the case that you get, uh, you know, the, the commissioner is also playing in the league. So mm-hmm. uh, my dog is clearly upset by this concept. He, he's really upset with CBS. So uh, sorry about that. Yeah, he is not happy. Um, I don't blame him. Yeah. No, uh, I get it, though. And, hey, that's very magnanimous of you to be the commission without even playing in the league. Is this a listener league or no? It, it's uh, a, it's a, it's. I played in this league for years and years and years, but I'm in so many other leagues that when they asked me to be commissioner, I just dropped the play responsibility and just started running the league for them. Oh, so that's, that's you're a good man, Charlie Brown. Thank you. So I handle, I handle, uh, and uh, well, I'm not doing it for free. I get paid. Um, but okay, still, cool. it's, All right. it's okay. It wasn't oh, yeah. just out of the goodness of your. Oh, heck there. Okay. no! That, it's too much work. I got to handle. I got to <laughs> handle the draft. I got to handle finances. I got to handle ad drops. Right. Uh, there's too many things going on. No, no, they pay me. They pay me. Matter of fact, okay. Um, I, I got a raise this year. I got a fifty dollar commissioner fee raise. I was very happy about that. So that worked out really yeah. well. So. You'll commission even better this year. I will. I absolutely will. You know, there's going to be a big trade controversy or something like that just because to wipe out the era of good feelings. It's so true. Um, you know what else is great? So here's another question. Um, when we're done with the draft, 
I take the sticker board, I take a picture of it, and then I throw it right in the garbage. Like, I don't save that board or anything. It goes right in the trash. Do most leagues like that you play, the the real big leagues, do they keep those boards where they put the, the uh, names on, or do they pretty much get rid of them the minute it's over? I can't speak to others, but I definitely dispose of it. Good. Um, you know, I... I, I, first of all, I play in 20 leagues per team per season uh, for baseball and football. <laughs> I'd have no, I'd have no room left to live. I'd be one of, you know, your wife would have divorced you years ago. Show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hey, and we made 20 years yesterday too. So you can tell that uh, nice. I can keep those boards. Good for you. Congratulations. Happy anniversary. 20 is a big one. Oh, too. Thank you. That is fantastic. Is. Is. Uh, anything uh, special planned or was Ireland uh, the 20th anniversary gift? We're actually going to head out to Vegas in mere nanoseconds. Uh, we're waiting actually for the uh, the uh, segment to end to uh, be done working here. Yeah, but, I uh, otherwise we would have left three hours ago. Oh, uh, I've got a big draft this weekend, so we decided to make a weekend out of it. Good for you. Well, we'll, we'll uh, we won't keep you long since you got Vegas coming up. Let's talk about some of the uh, fallout from Cutdown Day. Any real surprises for you with fantasy implications? You know, I, it, sometimes it's the day after, like Trey Sermon, you know, oh, he made the team, he's looking great, and he's been cut, and he's been claimed. You know, it, it's funny. You see the little uh, layout there. And in some cases, you hear some talk about they're looking to, to trade a guy or they're looking at, you know, he might be at risk of getting cut, and it doesn't happen. So I, I think you got to remember that cut-down day is just the first of many cut-down days. Any day is cut-down day after that. Um, and when when someone they find someone better to come come along, so be it. And that's what we saw, like with Minnesota, for instance, trading for Jalen Rager. So they they cut a receiver who lands the Bears, and you know it's just a little daisy chain of events. Damian Pierce is getting a lot of helium right now before the season starts. Oh yeah, where did he go in your league that you commissioned? Ah, uh, great question. Let me see again. This as I as I preface this twelve team league. Let me uh, pull up the draft board photo that I took here and give you an idea. Um, Why are you I, doing that? Yeah. Went in the third round in one of the drafts I've been in. So just uh, that's as crazy as I've seen so oh far. Oh, my God. No, actually, fourth round in ours. That's still early. Very early. <laughs> that's still early. But I'll tell you what, people are definitely afraid of getting shut out of their, their second running back there. And I'm in a 16-team league, uh, Steve, and I, I actually took the – Took the plunge on Pierce in the fifth, in like the fifties. So in a twelve teamer, that'd be the fifth round. Um, you know, and so you can, I, I, I'm partially guilty of that myself. I, I didn't want to go with Miles Sanders. I didn't want to go with Josh Jacobs. I think Jacobs was already gone, but I, I, I'm aggressively fading Jacobs anyhow. Hey, one of those teams, by the way, uh, took Aaron Rodgers in the eighth round. I thought that was a bargain, and she already had Russell Wilson, but went with the Rodgers as her backup quarterback because it's a two-quarterback league out of 17 rounds, and I was like, wow, Rodgers went all the way down to the eighth round. He was even drafted after Matthew Stafford. Wait, you start two quarterbacks in this No, league? no, no you have, you have, you have two on the roster, two on the roster. So instead of oh, her waiting. to have two on the roster? Yeah, you have to have two on the okay. roster, exactly. So she took Rodgers okay. as her backup quarterback. Yeah, well, that, that's not bad. I don't like spending an eighth-round pick on a backup, but then we do it with running backs and receivers all the time. That's true. Uh, you know, I could. It's still, it's a really good price for Rodgers uh, and Wilson too. Wilson in the in that late is really a good deal. I think. Well, it seems like in some leagues, quarterbacks always get undervalued because everybody's going after yep. the big in PPR, especially. They all want the running backs and receivers. Well, that's because we only start one. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, True. I can name 15 quarterbacks I'd be happy with as my my QB one. So, with that in mind, yeah, I'm you know I'm happy to wait on quarterbacks. I'm trying to see if there's any real like huge surprises from the draft. Um, let me see if there's anything that was kind of interesting. Oh, a lot of eyebrows were raised when one team, my boss, our general manager, took Christian Watson in the eighth round as his fourth wide receiver because there were still other names available. And DeAndre Hopkins, by the way, went in the 11th round, 11 out of 17. A team decided that they could wait the six weeks and uh, know that uh, they'll have Hopkins soon enough. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good deal, actually. I've been avo- I've been avoiding Hopkins, but the 11th round? I mean, I've seen Deshaun Watson go in the 11th round, and I'd never do that. But, um, you know, for for Hopkins, six rounds, that, that's doable. I mean, if you if you weren't going to be suspended, Hopkins would probably go in the third or fourth round, Yep, I think, uh, and given that there are some decline issues. Uh, so you factor the six games, 11th round seems like a pretty good deal, actually. I'm with you. We're talking again to uh, Jeff Erickson uh, from Rotowire here as we continue on Sports Talk. More in a moment, but first let's go to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Uh, Jeff Erickson with us talking fantasy football, and we'll get a little baseball in before we wrap things up here on the show. It's all up at rotowire.com. Uh, by the way, if teams are still uh, drafting, if they're still, uh, you know, they haven't made their final draft before the season starts, what would you like to recommend on the site right now? Uh, thanks, Steve. A uh, couple of things. One, uh, we, we've got our composite rankings. They're going to go up on the site, I think, tomorrow. I've submitted mine. I also have my personal 150, but if you want to do uh, see a, a, a combination of four of our top rankers, and you can see their individual ranks within them, all the way up to the top 300 for skill position players, you can do that. Uh, we've got all sorts of reactions to cut down days. I think there's a job battles one related to that. Starting next week, it's the weekly tools, my value meter. Uh, we've got uh, you know you know tools for your survivor pools, free agent article. We actually have a free agent article up already because let's face it, a lot of people draft early and things have changed. So we'll probably you know probably be a, a few words spilled about Damian Pierce there that you can check out. Uh, and we have a free trial. We'd like people to check it out. Rotowire.com/slash/free. Excellent baseball. Gunnar Henderson home runs, uh, homers in his first uh, big league game with the Orioles. Uh, how excited are you that uh, really the number one prospect in baseball gets an opportunity to have uh, about a month uh, of experience before the season's over? Two of the top ones, uh, Corbin Carroll, too. At That's the same right. time, I I might even prefer Carroll just a smidge, but. Uh, Henderson's got the hair, and that's worth five extra dollars in free agent bidding right there. <laughs> um, so, but then again, Carol Motor is faster than anybody I've seen. Did you see him score from first on that double? Yeah, the other day, Just ridiculous. Flying around the base pass, he he topped thirty-one miles per hour going around the base pass there at his top sprint speed. So, pretty pretty cool stuff. I mean, 30, 31 feet per second—that was it, not miles. Uh, feet per second is the sprint speed measure that we do, like for Statcast type stuff. Um, so, yeah. Big, big free agent weekend for both those guys. And let's face it, there's not much time left. Uh, if you didn't get Dustin May uh, a week ago or and you didn't get the big free agent, empty the wallet this week. Go get one of those two guys. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, meanwhile, Ken Waldachuk with a nice little debut today for Oakland. Yep, yep. Good starter. Uh, came over in the Frankie Montas trade, which has not worked out so well for the Yankees so far. 
No, that's very true. Hey, Lars Newtbar continues to get more and more love in the fantasy world. Now, all of a sudden, I saw a write-up about him in Fangraphs. People saying that he is the legit real deal and is going to be a, a fixture in St. Louis. Interesting how, as the season progresses, Newtbar just gets more and more consistent out there in the outfield. Yeah, for a while, we thought that the outfield of the future for the Cardinals was Carlson in center, with or Carlson in one of the corners, or in center, Bader, and of course, Tyler O'Neill. Now, Newt Bars like eclipsed all of them in a way, but, uh, you know, and I think that's kind of temporary, but I love seeing the combo meal yesterday home run and a stolen base. Mm hmm. Meanwhile, I look at some of the other names that I'd like to get to just as we wrap things up here. Uh, Brandon Hughes, if you're looking for closers and he's available on the waiver wire, do you take the Cubs' uh, 26-year-old? Yeah, I I grabbed him in the league last week. Uh, He was our top choice for trying to chase saves. And, uh, you know, it's kind of thin gruel that we're going after here because, let's face it, the Cubs aren't going to be a team that wins a lot of games. At least we don't think they are. Uh, But, yeah, he seems like the clear top choice over Rowan Wick now. I'm with you on that one. Um, meanwhile, in addition to that, um, I'm looking at the situation in San Diego. A lot of people are jumping on Nick Martinez for saves, and yet yesterday Josh Hader picked up his 30th. What's going on in San Diego? Well, Martinez had pitched three out of the last four days prior to yesterday, so he was down. Um, Hader did convert the save, though, and let's face it, he has an incumbent advantage. Uh, if they feel like they fixed his command issues, then that he might get the next one. We'll see. Uh, Hater was so bad on Sunday uh, that it, I would suspect that they're probably not going to fully trust him just yet. Mm-hmm. It is, I am curious to see who gets the next save chance for him. Uh, Trevor Rogers back off the IL looked good for uh, Miami yesterday. Yeah, that was a fun, a sneaky little pitching duel: uh, Rasmussen versus uh, Rogers. And you know, Rasmussen's been on a roll. Rogers, uh, you know. Really, he struck out 12 in his previous minor league rehab assi- assignment, so there was some hint that he might be back. Might have been a mechanical tweak, uh, and they created an injury, and then they like, had him do a rehab assignment. It seemed like that worked. I'm with you on that one. How excited are you to see uh, Hunter Brown's debut for the Houston Astros? I am quite excited. A AAA ERA leader uh, in, a, in a league which you well know is a hitter's league. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, I love seeing it there. So, I mean, I don't hate seeing Verlander down, but at the same time, you know, hey, another good prospect to watch. Speaking of prospects, you got the top 400 MLB prospect rankings update from James Anderson. That's going to lead off the baseball section at uh, rotowire.com. Yeah, uh, he does that roughly monthly, and it always is a uh, much, much, it's a big ado when that happens. Uh, you, you, his Twitter feed blows up. Our Twitter feed blows up. The subsequent podcast discussing all the changes is, is huge because everybody's got an opinion about their favorite prospects. So it, it's great stuff. I also like the fact that he adds a companion podcast to that as well. That's nice because not only do you get the article in the Q&A, but you also get his uh, prospect podcast. Yeah, and a little mailbag edition usually with people asking about things. Uh, he hits it pretty thoroughly. It's some good stuff there. All right, listen, enjoy Vegas. Get out of here. We'll talk to you next week and enjoy the time. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Jeff Erickson, rotowire.com, as we continue here on Sports Talk 38 past the hour right now. That is one man that you could tell when you've. Uh, I, if I would have known that he was delaying his trip to Vegas to finish our radio hit, I would have taped that interview four hours ago to accommodate him. So 
Uh, he sounded a little antsy towards the end of that segment, Adrian. Hey, he was very – I'm, I'm going to tell you this, Steve. Jeff Erickson, if he tells you a time, he will stick to that time and he will honor it. That's just uh, the kind of guy he is. So appreciate Jeff Erickson uh, making some time for us today. We do too. 39 past the hour. We'll wrap up hour two of three still to come. Um, the great Tim Haggerty will join us from Southwest University Park about 30 minutes from now. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. It's 600 ESPN El Paso. On Saturday, you can listen to UTEP and Oklahoma. 12.30 countdown to kickoff. 1.30, it'll get going. John Teicher, uh, along with Cole Freitag and Mondo the Monster Medina. That'll be on our partner station, 95.5 KLAQ. We will have uh, UTEP first and 10 for you on this radio station. Saturday, I believe at 12.15. Just turn on the radio at 12 o'clock. Just listen to all the college football all day. Come on. Starting at 10 o'clock, we'll have college football here, 600 ESPN El Paso, a lot of action here. Yeah, just listen in all day. Then you'll you'll catch first and 10 for sure. Do we have a game on Saturday? Are we airing a game in the morning? Well, they, they usually do the ESPN uh, the, the show. The, yeah, the, the ESPN show in the morning, but then that usually transitions into like their featured game, or, okay. or they'll do that like college red zone thing. So they, they, they take care of it either way. Yeah, we're good, right? We're good. All right, we'll have you covered. Uh, but just, yeah, just turn on the radio at 12 o'clock. You'll hear us sometime before 1230, and we'll give you everything you need to know for the, uh, for the game uh, tomorrow between Utah and Oklahoma. We'll break it down. We'll dissect it. Another thing to note, Minor Talk will have a cap on Saturday because there's a Chihuahuas baseball game. So uh, we'll have a hard out at 6.30 either way. But, uh, yeah, make sure you tune in after the game. It will be uh, heard. It can be heard on 95.5 KLIQ after the game. We'll have Minor Talk here, 600 ESPN El Paso. I wonder how long this game is going to be. Because if the game starts at 1.30, and let's just say it's over by, you know, 5 I don't know if there will be a minor talk. Good point. And I talked to Sal with about this off air right now, and you know we were we were just discussing going back and forth. Thank goodness we have uh, discovered the Twitter Spaces, uh, mm. which would allow people to listen in uh, to minor talk, even if we're not on air. Just follow us on social media, uh, six hundred ESPN El Paso, along with me, Adrian Broadus, and Sal Montes. We will have that via Twitter Space to start things off, especially if we get close to that six uh, six thirty deadline and if you do then you can obviously also uh go and read a ton of tweets on twitter spaces yeah we can and people can actually uh talk on twitter spaces so anybody who wants to call instead of calling in you just talk on twitter spaces really yeah you you got to join in i'm going to send you the invite for this week's on the pregame show and the postgame show if you have time hop on see how it is it's just like minor talk i mean me and sal were talking about it we get to see how many mm-hmm. people listen to it as well oh, uh, cool. and we can even archive it so this can definitely live on as minor talk in place of us to you know Saturday. You, you yeah, need to game. give me the uh, Twitter Spaces uh, tutorial. I will. I will. This is good. I mean, I've never tried Twitter Spaces. We try. We tried it for the first time ever. I mean, no rehearsal, nothing. This was just kind of. In fact, we had some technical difficulties to start things off, and then we transitioned, and it was smooth. We had a lot of listeners. People. People uh, gave us some good feedback on it. So we're going to do it again. We'll, we'll run it back. Awesome. I love that. Again, uh, first and ten brought to you by Specs Wine, Spirits, and Finer Foods, the Texas family-owned destination for selection and savings since 1962 online at specsonline.com because the fun starts here 
with specs. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this Twitter Spaces thing. This should be uh, a lot of fun. And, and again, it's what I need. I need a, a chance to uh, find new ways to connect with listeners. And if Twitter Spaces can do it, sign me up. Sign me up. That's what it's all about. I like how you can give other people like the microphone. It's kind of like you just choose who talks. They they request to talk, and you choose the people who actually can talk on the Twitter spaces. So it's kind of like how we, we get to do it. We screen Man. people's calls here. That's the only problem is somebody could slip a bad word in, in the mm. Twitter space, well, and we don't have a, a delay button to work with. That's true, but it's not going to air on the radio, so it's on Twitter space. There you go. So it's a there little different. Go. Oh, my God. That could turn into the most foul mouth show in the history of uh, UTEP. That's... I don't know. Be careful what you wish for there, pal. You never know what you're going to get, right? Oh, man. You just opened up a can of worms right here. You just said you, there's no uh, there's no filter. I know, but now I put two and two together right here. People can go off on UTEP. Oh, in these. Or get excited about UTEP. Yeah, Who knows? That's exactly right. Who knows? Hey, if you're looking to buy or sell a home and you you just haven't found the right uh, person, the right team, uh, I got news for you. Brian Birds of the Brian Birds Home Selling Team, powered by EXP Realty, they can get it done for you, just like they did for Burton Monticella, who had a rental property uh, on the northeast side of town. And, you know, since it's a seller's market, they decided to sell it. They turned to Brian and his team. You want to know why? Because they really had no idea where to start to sell a house. The home listed at 225, but it sold quickly at 227. They walked away with a great return on their investment and also free tickets to a Chihuahua's game. Hey, maybe they're going tonight for Thrifty Thursday. You never know. Now, if you're worried about leaving money on the table if you sell your home, don't worry. Brian's got you covered. And I'll tell you why. You want to know why? Here's why. He has hundreds of buyers ready to buy right now. Hundreds, folks. If you're homeless between $150,000 and $300,000, he has buyers for you right now. So call the official real estate agent of UTEP, El Paso Locomotive FC, the Rhinos, and the Chihuahuas. The only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home. He's Brian Birds. B-U-R-D-S. Start packing, everybody. Hey, El Paso, have you heard? Sell your home, get Call Brian Birds. Go to BrianBirds.com. All right, 53 past the hour right now as we uh, get near the end of uh, our number two of three here on Sports Talk. Joseph Ortiz tweets the show. Let's talk about the sweet white helmets we're going to wear this weekend. Referring to the UTEP white 915 look. Uh, they're going to go all white, by the way. They are, the miners are going to look like stormtroopers when they hit the field in Norman on Saturday against the Sooners, Adrian. Fire. Absolutely fire uniform selection by UTEP. I, I love the all-white look. The pearly white look is just uh, exceptional. And then you throw the 915 decal on that helmet, uh, which is all-white as well. Yeah, they're going to be styling going into Norman. Do you like the Stormtrooper look as well? Yeah, I'm a huge fan. This is probably my second favorite, only to Texas Western. All right, that's that's a good look, too. I don't know. I think all white looks really cool, especially with the white helmets. So, oh, yeah. Are there any teams in college football that does that? Yeah, Texas. Texas goes all oh, that's, white. That's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. I forgot about that. And, and they probably rock it the best. And Oregon yeah. does the same, but I would say the Longhorns probably rock that all white look no, like no one else. Dallas Cowboys update with Christy Scales coming up top of the hour. Then Tim Haggerty, 35 minutes away. Chihuahua's baseball here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Back in our final 30 here on Sports Talk. Along with Adrian Broaddus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. 
We'll dive deeper into the uh, Oklahoma Sooners tomorrow. Boomer Sooner for all you Sooner uh, fans out there. A lot of Sooner fans, uh, starting with our morning show host on KLAQ, Buzz Adams, who uh, had a cup of coffee out in uh, Norman. I think he attended Oklahoma for a semester during his college career. Oh, so he's a diehard. Okay. He is a diehard. I got you. Uh, And, yeah, there are a lot of Oklahoma fans here in the Sun City. In fact, you you really understood how many fans were rooted for OU when OU came to the Sun Bowl, played Stanford in that game, and then you saw when they came against the Miners, and uh, yeah, they, they really showed up in masses. So I'm looking at this depth chart that they released as of um, Tuesday, I guess this was, or Monday, and uh, the guy that I'm the, – the matchup I'm really interested in, look, Dylan Gabriel is going to try to pick apart the UTEP Miners, but he's only 5'11". Like, he's a, he's, a, he's a smaller quarterback, but he's a lefty, okay? And he did great things at Central Florida. And he's got good weapons. Um, you know, Theo Weiss is coming back from an injury. I love Jaden Gibson, the freshman, who's got ridiculous size and hands, like the biggest hands I've ever seen. Made a one-handed catch in spring ball. He's 6'5", 195. Um, and then they've got Marvin Mims, who was also really good last year. And Bob Stoops' kid, Drake Stoops, who's a redshirt senior on this team. But you know what else, besides the passing game, I want to see how the Miners handle Eric Gray and the running game. That's going to be the biggest matchup for me because North Texas ran all over UTEP. Uh, They had no trouble with that whatsoever. And you know that they're going to try to open up monster holes for Gray and Marcus Major or anybody else running the ball and seeing if they can have some success against the Miners. I feel like the Sooners are definitely going to show their complement of running backs against the Miners just simply because of the film that we saw last week. Uh, North Texas just ran all over the Miners. And and in this game with OU, I'm really looking at Mims, but I like Eric Gray a lot. I mm-hmm. think he's a tailback who uh, will really flash a lot of uh, nice things uh, against the Miners on Saturday. And for the Miners, stopping that run is tough for them. They're without Breon Hayward, at least as of last Saturday. Um, you know, you know, we've heard talks from uh, UTEP play, like you, the the UTEP side of things that they are trying to get Breon Hayward eligible this year as it, as it continues, but I don't know if that's going to happen, Steve, and that makes me worried about the run defense for the Miners. Mm. Well, I'm with you on that one, and and I'll tell you something, uh, you know, the run defense is going to be key because if they can slow down Gray, they could ultimately force Gabriel into passing situations. And I don't know if you're UTEP, what do you want to do? Because if you don't get pressure on Gabriel and they run a fast-paced offense with that kind of receiving uh, core, then they're going to try to pick apart UTEP's defensive backs, which they'll probably do anyway. Right, and UTEP's DBs are not experienced. That's the that's the one knock against them. I really like the safeties. Like I like Justin Prince and Kobe Hilton a lot. Hilton was all over the field against North Texas, and yeah, when I got good. a chance to watch that game over, uh, I, I just realize how much of a hard hitter he is. He likes to get uh, pressure to the quarterback. He had three tackles for losses, which was good against North Texas. So I like UTEP safeties, but I have issues when it comes to their corners. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know about Josiah Allen, Latrez Shelton, two inexperienced guys going into Norman, OU. I mean, huge crowd, uh, nationally televised game. That's a lot to ask from those guys right there. I don't know defensively if OU is going to be there yet. They're very inexperienced because they got a lot of young guys. Now, they have talented young guys. Like I love Ethan Downs, their sophomore uh, defensive end, who's going to probably start, and Danny Stutzman, who's a 6'4", 240-pound, 
end linebacker. He's another one, sophomore, who I think could do some big things. And Billy Bowman was one of the best recruits of the class of 2021. He's a 5'10 athlete who plays strong safety for them. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Miners' passing game can test OU's defense. But you know they're going to try to run the ball. They only ran the ball 20 times against North Texas. They have to do a better job of that against Oklahoma to try to set up that pass. Yeah, for the Oklahoma defense, I just think that they, you know, that three-man front, they like to have multiple pressures. They like to drop back sometimes their edge rushers and stuff like that, and they they become kind of like, you know, pass protectors in a sense. But yeah, the OU defense just shows you a lot of variety. That's what I remember from watching Clemson's defense in years past. They'll they'll, uh, flank somebody from the corner, he'll rush the passer, or they'll get the linebacker to come in and bring the pressure. So just a lot of different looks that OU can really throw at you defensively, but they are experienced. I I just still trust Brent Venables, a defensive-minded coach right there. But there's so many unknowns because they're so inexperienced as starters. That's the one thing you'll say is this team lost almost uh, you know 70% of their starters on both sides of the ball last year. So a lot of these guys have played a little bit, but they just haven't been thrust into the starting lineup. And I guess if you were ever going to find a um, you know, a, a game just as a dress rehearsal for a young team, UTEP would probably be the perfect team for you. I'll tell you this though, Steve, I have I have issues with UTEP's scoring offense. Like they mm-hmm. did not prove that they can be reliable uh, as far as scoring the football, and I don't think it's uh, necessarily you know drive the ball to the thirty yard line, then kick a field goal. What what does that do for you in a game like this? Like nothing. And and I last week they they were aggressive in po- at points. You know they turned the ball over on downs on four different occasions. When they went for it on fourth down inside North Texas territory. And that also goes against the offense. This is an offense that just did not complete drives. It did not execute drives last week. So that would be my red flag going into this week. How is UTEP even going to find seven points and get a touchdown in this one against Oklahoma? I'm looking at how many points they left on the board last, uh, exactly. last week. Exactly, yeah. I mean, how, I was trying to figure this out. Do you think they left more than. Um, did they leave more than 17 on the board? I mean, how many do we think they actually left? You can make an argument, sure, because on four separate occasions, they drove inside North Texas territory. And and for me, Steve, as soon as you cross the 50, you got to score. And UTEP's offense has been very complacent at times with, hey, they'll cross the 50, they won't get, they'll they'll have some questionable play calling, and then they'll kind of, you know, they'll stall. They'll stall at the 40-yard line with North Texas, or they'll stall, like, at the one-yard line like they did last Saturday. I'm with you on that one. Anyway, that's coming up, folks. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch uh, when Utah plays Oklahoma. I don't know if it's going to be fun to watch, but it's interesting. Like, again... I'm I'm okay with this. I want to see what UTEP does against uh, a team that has a chance to be a top 25 team. I would have been way more okay with this if this was the first game of the year. I'll be honest with you, Steve. I, I just think that that loss last week was deflating, and I don't think you should weigh a single game on anything on a whole season, and there's still a, a lot, a lot of football to be played for the Miners, but uh, if they go, you know, they're probably going in next week starting 0-2. That makes mm-hmm. the Battle of I-10 a must-win. It sure does. All right, 10 past the hour as we continue here on uh, Sports Talk. Our phone number is 505-6009. That gets you right on in and through to the program. If you want to talk a little UTEP, uh, you know, you want to talk a little UTEP Oklahoma, or we can talk New Mexico State, Minnesota. I mean, I'm interested to see if the Aggies show up tonight and make this a game and tell everybody they are not going to be huge dogs uh, against the Miners next week. Right. I, I'm really looking forward to this one as well. I feel like with this game, you can't 
doesn't take uh, like look New Mexico State they didn't really show a lot of their cards last week and I I wouldn't be surprised to see Jerry Kill throw some gimmicky plays out there to try to catch Minnesota off guard I mean why not make this a a just dirty game where you, you have to kind of win it in the fourth quarter that's exactly where Jerry Kill wants this game to be when this game gets late into this one I, I just with that when I saw that thirty six point spread I was mm-hmm. like Who, who's really looking into this game no I know I'm hearing you on that one. By the way, Adrian, my son is pitching right now in no a way. 10-year baseball game. He is starting for his team, and uh, apparently he struck out um, his first batter on three pitches. Let's go, Joel. That's awesome. And as soon as I turned it on, I was getting texts. He's striking guys out, striking guys out. Then I saw like a ball sailed over a kid's head. I was like, uh-oh, but uh, we'll, see if he can, uh, we'll see if he can bear down. You know, My son, for those of you that don't know, he's been catching almost his entire baseball life but you know from time to time they put him on the mound to see what he can do and I don't think he's ever started a game before so this is going to be interesting to see what he can do when you practice with him what kind of a pitcher is he accurate uh for the most part but it's funny because he doesn't throw all that hard he just gets it over the plate and that's the idea so but these kids that he's battling now it's 10u but these kids look like they're like seven or eight they're little so it's hard to get the ball in that perfect zone knowing you've got such a, you know, such a small strike zone right now. So we'll see. Um, I believe so far they've handled themselves all right in the first inning. It looks like. It looks like he's got two outs, nobody on. Man, so that's, nice that's, start. That, that's, that's a good sign. But he's just got to get the ball down and uh, control it. And again, I'm getting, I'm getting messages from, from parents that are there. And telling me, but oh. I and I'm watching it on the screen and trying to get a little bit of a, an idea of you know how this game is going to go. I was going to say, are you having some FOMO? But you're getting to watch this one right here. So, yeah. are you going to split out of here after we get uh, get to Tim Haggerty and head over there to watch him? Oh, I will be booking as soon nice. as I can to get out to uh, um, the what was used to be known as Cloudview Park, and uh, you know now it's it's over by Coronado High to watch uh, to watch this game. It should be a lot of fun. So, yes. That will be the, that will be the plan, Adrian. Good stuff, Steve. I like this start from Joel. I, I do too, and we'll see if he can limit the damage and hopefully get out of this with uh, you know an inning or two of throwing pretty clean baseball and and being able to uh, to get through it. So I've I've always told him here's my advice at this level: don't care how hard you throw, get the ball over the plate. If they hit it, you got a team behind you that can field and get guys out. Just throw strikes that's all i've always said i don't care how hard you throw just throw strikes and if you do that you're in good you're in good shape i feel like if at that age right there if you get it over the plate if you if you get it inside the strike zone i i feel like you're gonna have a lot of success as a pitcher right there i mean correct me if i'm wrong it doesn't really matter the speed at that point just get across the plate make it in the strike zone absolutely and i've even said to joel i said hey do you like to a pitch he goes no i like to catch I said well that's fine but you can't catch every game so it's you got to get on the mound a little bit and throw and see what you can do. Get that arm warmed up. So we'll see. Maybe he's going to be a reliable uh, pitcher for this team down the line, and he could split duties just like Shohei Otani. God help us all. Um, I love yeah, it, man. That, I don't know if that's going to happen. But anyway, we will see. So uh, the good news right now is that, yep, he's – ah, he just fielded a comebacker, threw it to first base, and they got out of the inning. So there we go. In fact, that was good. 
No runs. No runs. Let's go. I love it. His ERA is exceptional Zero. right now. That's right. I'm happy. I'm a happy dad. It's good. Hey, you don't understand, man. Um, these kids give up 12 runs in one inning. Ooh, yeah. So when you can get out of, uh, and even though the team that they're playing is little, and they are, they're they're probably, hey, that's the perfect team to throw him against. Let him let him get out there, throw some strikes, and and handle the rest of it from your fielding. I like this. I, hey, break him in this way, ease him into it against some uh, competition who's a little smaller. I like it. One hit, no runs. I'll take that. Struck the first guy out on three pitches. You know what? He might uh, he might get some. Uh, he might have a chance to have dinner anywhere he wants to go if he keeps this up tonight. He might be in a good spot. Sweet. That'll, like that'll take him out for, for a little fun. All right. Hey, uh, Hags is next. Final countdown right after one last traffic update. Let's go to Charlie One for the latest.